Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined by Matthew Castle. Hello. How's it going, Matthew? Uh, it's going good. It's going good. I'm looking forward to this one today. This is uh, this is uh, an interesting topic, something quite close to my heart, something I've always used to feel quite nervous about, so I'm uh, looking forward to chatting. Yes, indeed. This is a kind of sequel episode of sorts to our review scores we got wrong episode. In this episode, we want to talk about covers of magazines, of games magazines that we worked on. I think me and Matthew are in quite a specific position when it comes to that sort of thing, where we've worked in different eras of magazines and worked on multiple games magazines. And I think that, like, you know, we recognise the subject, I guess, is slightly self-indulgent, but we thought we'd kind of make it fun. Mm. Um, so in this episode, we're going to talk about how you make a magazine cover, um, what kind of makes the right game to go on it. Um, there won't be any kind of trade secrety stuff. We're kind of making it fun and talking about the game choices and looking back at some of our best and worst covers, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it, we thought it'd be a really kind of fun subject to uh, basically have the kind of nostalgia flavour of some of our previous episodes. Would you say that's right? Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. <laughs> okay, so Matthew, to kick off then, what makes a great games magazine cover to you? <laughs> well, <laughs> see, this is the thing. I saw this question uh, that you've noted down in our in our little show notes, and I was thinking, do I actually know? And do I have <laughs> like do I have any evidence that I ever had an idea <laughs> that I knew what made a great magazine's cover? Um, I. Uh, it's it's kind of a tricky one for me, as we'll get on to later. Like, I, I, I don't know if I ever particularly nailed this. This is definitely where I consider myself weakest as an editor, um, I'll say up front. Um, but, uh, you know, I know growing up I had, you know, what I really loved about magazines uh, was, A, games I knew about and wanted to read about, uh, really awesome pieces of art to show those covers off, and cover lines and promises of what i'd get within um which sounds like a really rudimentary idea of what a cover is but you know that's kind of what i reacted to yeah so when i was uh, about 17 or 18 i would buy any cover that mentioned a final fantasy game basically right, yeah. um, <laughs> that was my criteria when i was a reader was uh, looking for a, a magazine that has a game i'm interested in on the cover basically which is probably the case for loads of readers right yeah yeah i, I, I imagine so and it was uh yeah i used to just buy so many magazines based on the cover in a way that when I then later made magazines, I used to think, oh man, it's such a shame that people will base their buying decision on the cover because there's so much good stuff in here that isn't on the cover or I don't feel the cover of this magazine truly represents the kind of quality of what's inside. Um, but when I was yeah, a teenager, that's exactly what I did. Um, just buying things because it had like him from Shenmue on the front and thought, oh yeah, I'll <laughs> buy that. Here's my five quid. Um so yeah, yeah. I think the um, the the key thing for me, uh, kind of becoming an editor, was to sort of recapture a bit of that. But like, there are loads of other considerations as well. So, as an editor, I kind of made covers or like worked on covers, I should say, for Play Magazine, PlayStation Magazine in 2012, uh, Games TM in 2013, and then uh, PC Gamer in 2013 to 2017. So quite a long time there. And uh, Matthew, how about you? What was your kind of history um, in terms of like being an editor and overseeing that sort of process? Yeah, so uh, I edited the, a couple of issues of Nintendo Gamer. I didn't actually edit that many. But I think people people forget that I, I became editor and then quickly vanished off to O&M. 
um, where I uh, was working alongside Chandra. We kind of did some cover stuff together, but it wasn't until I took over O&M properly, uh, which was, I don't know, 2015, 2014? I can't remember my dates. Um, I had a run of O&M covers, and then I did OXM and obviously was uh, sorting out all those covers. Um, so a bit of a kind of stop-start. My actual time making Nintendo covers is relatively short for how long I spent on Nintendo mags. Yeah, so I would say, like, when it comes to what makes a great games magazine cover, I wrote some notes here, and so I think it comes down to a few factors combined. Uh, you want a game that your readers are going to be excited about as the main cover game. Yeah, You want good art for that game, which mm-hmm. is, you know, often one of the biggest challenges when it comes to making a games magazine cover. And you want great access as well. Um, it's not actually a case of, I will put this game on my cover most of the time. It's a case of, like, what could the publisher or developer offer me that makes this cover kind of worthwhile in terms of like, you know, you're the first people to play the game or the first people to see the game or whatever it might be. And so that's part of it. And um, the other part of it is something that you feel like as an editor fits the brand. So Mm. yeah, good stuff. Would you say that kind of um, that fits though, Matthew? The other thing is that like, um, you know, you when it comes to like that last part about something you think fits the brand, that's the kind of thing of like, you feel excited about putting it on the cover. So when you get that magazine back from the printers, you look at it and you go, oh, wow, okay, this is a game that will get our readers excited. Uh, the dads of PC Gamer, they're going to fucking love this. Um, <laughs> that was always my kind of aim. Um, do you think that's correct? <laughs> yeah, that's that's absolutely... I, I, I think what you're talking about, though, is like a perfect storm of things coming together. I mean, it's quite rare. Um, but I found, yeah, a great deal of stress in balancing like access versus importance that was always Mm. really huge um you know great games that we knew people were hungry for but they had terrible access or on the flip side absolutely amazing access you know a publisher that really kind of laid everything out for you really put on a show for you um but the game was just weird or baffling or culty or something you loved maybe but you knew wasn't like widely popular um you know, and I felt a lot of that on OXM. On Nintendo Max, uh, the the big challenge, and I think this is a challenge quite specific to Nintendo Mags in 2013, 2014, um, was just the lack of games kind of, like, forced your hand. And in a lot of cases, I felt like my cover decisions were almost made for me by what was the big Nintendo game at the moment, because it was basically mm. first party or bust on, on a Nintendo Mag. And... Like the drop in quality from Nintendo covers to everything else was always pretty severe. So, you know, a lot of the craft of O&M, for example, felt like trying to kind of stretch the same Nintendo art for months on end or just try and squeeze some kind of fresh first party take out of what was available. Um, mm. Yeah, but which, you know, I am very, very envious because of, you know, I think on PC gaming you got to like make a lot of choices, which I didn't always think I did. Yeah, I think that it some years yes, but other years there were still some games that weren't as much of a slam dunk. Um, I twenty sixteen that I was looking at uh, the back issues of PC gamer that I worked on, and twenty sixteen I remember being a year that we did like Gwent on the cover, for example, and that was partly because you know you could get Geralt on the cover. Um, right. And I don't think I was like necessarily excited about standalone Gwent, even though they did talk about that Thronebreaker game oh, okay. what would become Thronebreaker. So it was a good. It, it wasn't. It wasn't bad, but like it was still hard. 
And then um, there is the other thing of like some PC games that become massive don't necessarily have like killer artwork. Like most major publishers, you'll see for an Assassin's Creed game, whenever they announce it, there's some lovely key art floating around of like the main character stood in the kind of historical, you know, uh, context of wherever the game's set. And it's a bit easier to figure out how it fits on a magazine cover. Yeah. Let's say you put on a game that like, um, you know, got backed on Kickstarter, for example, then you might find that the artwork isn't quite as easy to um, to pick out. So yeah, like there were plenty of great games on PC and remain uh, plenty of great games, but often the challenge was just finding one where there's going to be like a key hero character that makes a cover very simple to do, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. The other thing that Assassin's Creed that always reminds me was the um, the kind of the not the politicking as such, but the fact that other mags were also going out with like similar art, and hmm. we didn't really know what other people were necessarily doing at the same time. You could get a feel for it when you'd go on, maybe go on like you know go on the cover story trip, and there'd be like five other print outlets and you'd be like oh shit you know we're all doing Assassin's Creed you know that was kind of kept from me but you know within future it was relatively like uh friendly between mags like I didn't feel like there was uber competition or people kind of like screwing each other over but that was like another factor it wasn't just like what you were doing you had to think well I exist you know on a magazine shelf with all these other rival brands um and in time you know, did someone just do this last month? You know, did someone do this two months ago? Is this art, has it already been on the shelf? Might people mistake it for an issue that came out two months ago? And there are a lot of weird factors to kind of take into consideration. Mm, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a complicated thing, definitely. It was it was more of a problem when I was working on Play because that was a PlayStation magazine. And there was also an Xbox magazine and a multi-format magazine. So it was, it was like... You know, how do we coordinate, especially when there are fewer games around? So, yeah, you know, I, I, I remember, remember like, you know, when we'd be working long into the nights uh, when you were on PC Gamer and I was on OXM and, you know, we'd often, you know, be discussing our covers with each other or whatever. And you would often say, like, this is a real PC Gamer game or this is such a piece. And it was always right. You were always right. You know, they, the things you had felt like they kind of belonged to a PC audience. And I was always very envious because I felt like, we were just in this big multi-format kind of mash where everyone was kind of competing for the same kind of stuff. But, you know, I often felt, oh, yeah, you're right. You do have, like, you had access to these kind of, like, absolute kind of kit. I guess, like, the equivalent of, you know, the first-party Nintendo game for PC gamers. You know, your yeah. kind of Total Wars or whatever. Um, yeah, but in, in in console land, it's, especially in Xbox and PlayStation, it's a lot of blurring of the lines. Yeah, I would say that definitely uh, recalling those exact situations, you kind of really took me back there to what it was like being in um, <laughs> yeah. Key House at like eight o'clock on deadline. Um, <laughs> but like, um, I uh, think you were a bit unlucky where obviously Xbox has had a pretty dire generation for exclusive games. Whereas I think it would have been a bit of a different deal if you were the editor of an Xbox magazine in, say, 2008, where it's like, oh, you know, there's Gears of War 2 is coming out and there's, you know, Lost Odyssey and Banjo-Kazooie and, yeah, you know, all this stuff they're making and um, like three different Halo games. Like yeah, it's, uh... So, Matthew, what did you enjoy about making magazine covers as an editor? Um, the the very few times where we got a piece, you just got a piece of art in and you looked at it and you knew, like, we don't really have to do anything with this. Like, this is just you know it's like dynamic it's i've not seen it it's got the characters it's a game i love um and because 
as we'll get into, like trying to make a cover out of a bad art is so hard. Um, trying to manipulate an image, especially if you're not allowed to manipulate it, which is sometimes the case. Um, but like getting like, um, I remember things like uh, Final Fantasy fifteen, uh, fifteen, yes, when we did that on OXM. The art for that with the the boys, you know, the the four of them was always quite striking. I thought, you know, very kind of cinematic. They looked amazing. I mean, it was always the the Final Fantasy covers. Like as a teenager, I was incredibly sort of wowed by on the shop stands just because they, you know, they, it just looked like mega graphics on the cover. And and I got a bit of that from like Final Fantasy fifteen. Um, it probably been used by other people, but I hadn't seen it. Um, <laughs> some of the Nintendo art. Occasionally we get some amazing Nintendo art. Like, uh, when they brought it, like, Nintendo sometimes absolutely delivered. Like, the Mario Galaxy, you know, some of the Mario Galaxy art was, was absolutely superb. Um, the Mario Kart 8 art was just... It just looked like this is going to be a good game. Like, you looked at the art and it really captured the fun of it. And But that they, they were quite rare occasions. <laughs> what about you? What's, yeah. what, uh, what did you enjoy? Well, you know, like I, I remembered the first cover line I ever worked on. There was an issue of Play magazine uh, in 2008, I think it was, where uh, my editor was away for the week, and we had like um, a bag back then that the um, the, cu- the magazine is presented in with a DVD and all that stuff. And um, the bag, I wrote the main cover line for it. Was the game Infamous, one of the like uh, five or six good PS3 games um, <laughs> that were exclusively available for that system. And um, I remember my first cover line I came up with was um, a city on the edge of destruction. Uh, save it or watch it burn. And I thought that was so cool that I got that onto this bag when I was like 20 or whatever. Oh, I yeah. Thought this is, yeah, I was very impressed with myself, even though it's a really cheesy line. No, um, it's exciting. It, it's, it's, you know, it's dynamic. Mm. And I think that feeling um, can, continued when I became an editor and I got the magazine back. And like, um, obviously being an editor... You are, you have the most responsibility of anyone on the team, um, but you also, I think, stand to feel the most proud when the magazine comes back because it's a thing that you truly, you know, you made the key decisions on. So you can look at it and go, "Oh wow, look at this, you know, cool thing I make." And yeah. um, I, I never, I never lost that when I was working in print. I always felt that right till my last issue of PC Gamer. Just the feeling of it coming back. I was just like. This is this is some cool a cool thing I made and I know that the people who read this will enjoy it and that was yeah. a nice feeling. Um, yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's weird the cover lines thing because I, I I always saw it as this like um, it's like this mad linguistic puzzle where you're trying to get like the punchiest thing in this very minimum space. You've got this tiny little box and you're pushing your art editor for more and they're fighting back because you know they don't want your stupid words getting in the way of their lovely pictures <laughs> um, and uh, you know occasionally you'd you'd just you'd absolutely nail it and you or you'd think of a like a sentence structure that was just you know had like a real energy or thump to it i mean a lot of them had been done so you're kind of repeating things um i had quite a bad habit of you could tell the ones that i was pleased with because i basically recycled them again and again (laughs) like in different positions on the wallet to, to the next time um but there was you know i was terrible for like it's like this exciting game 
you know, which you are interested in, even though it wasn't, just so I could put the name of the exciting game you are interested in. So, like, lots of things were, like, GTA in some way, or lots of things were, like, Uncharted. I think I said Lego Batman was Batman meets GTA. (laughs) Which one? Lego Batman 2? Lego Batman 2, because it had an open-world city. (laughs) I I mean, it's not... It's not like... I don't think you'll be sued for it. No, but it's it's also, like... I think if you got that and went, oh, and then you looked at it and you went, oh, it's, it's, just, it's like Lego bullshit. That's fine. <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I, there was shittiness one I was laughing about today, which was um, described Sonic Boom, uh, a <laughs> Sonic action-adventure game, which I think got like a Metacritic of like 40 or something, described <laughs> it as Sonic meets Uncharted, uh, which... <laughs> which purely came from the fact that the guy who made it was the lead artist on Uncharted 1. And then basically Mm. he'd been at Naughty Dog for all of like, since the beginning, he did Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Daxter, Uncharted 1, then left, founded his own studio to make this Sonic Boom. And they're still going, I think, but you haven't heard much on them. But I was looking at that and that like, that is shady. That game has nothing to do with Uncharted at all. Like, that's just a a terrible line. Um, I think of, uh, I, I think like, it's a bit of the kind of starvation of working on a Nintendo magazine at a certain period where, like, nothing is coming out. So, I mean, just from you telling me that Sonic Boom had to even be mentioned on the cover <laughs> tells the whole story of what Nintendo was up to at that point, you know? <laughs> is that fair? Yeah, that's 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 absolutely fair. But <laughs> those, yeah, those lines do not reflect the quality of the writing inside that mag. Yeah. Well, to, be- to give you a kind of, like... Um, little analogy for how I saw myself as an editor at my best I think I was like so just before we started recording this I was watching um Citizen Kane actually on BBC iPlayer and um you're about to describe a- yourself as Orson Welles yes but wait power play but wait um at my best, I was like uh, Charles Foster Kane in that film where he like takes over the New York Inquirer and he's like, we're going to do this. We're going to put this on the cover. It's, it's going to be like nothing you've ever seen before. And then at my worst, I was like Orson Welles when he was like alcoholic and overweight in that advert <laughs> um, where he was, he was going, oh, and right now you can buy Paul Mason champagne and all this stuff. And it was like, that was me at my worst where I was like so tired and like, oh my God, what cover line can I put with this DLC for, I don't know, Forza Horizon 3 or whatever. <laughs> like, that's sort of... Um, those were the two Samuel Robertses that uh, operated in uh, print media throughout the um, the last two decades. Um, yeah. I felt... I actually felt very torn between, like, how how I learnt magazine craft. The insides was just from working on mags as a staff writer, and I learnt under some really great editors. But I never really got taught the covers. Like, I wasn't really involved in covers much until I was in charge of them, weirdly. You know, I, I had a bit of crossover period on, you know, O&M, I guess, with Bachandra there as well, and, you know, I was contributing to them. But it, it kind of felt like, um, to, to use my own film analogy, you know how in Platoon, um, Charlie Sheen, like, he, he has, like, two mentors, and they've got, very, you know, it's like Willem Dafoe, and there's, is it Tom Berenger, maybe? Yeah, Tom Berenger. Yeah, yeah. and, like, they've got very different views of war, um, I kind of had that with covers, I felt. Like, when I took over as editor, I suddenly had a lot of senior editors who were imparting advice, and some of them had very different mags. You know, some of them were on, you know, basically 
big, you know, other big official mags who, you know, who could kind of command any cover they wanted and they were dealing with very sexy materials and then in the other ha- half you know i had all the kind of weird nonsense from Endgamer, where our cover lines were very reflective of the mag's personality they didn't really sell it hard they were just like daft you know when you read that cover <laughs> it sounded like Endgamer on the outside too is it kind of whimsical and fun you know what's what's the kind of middle ground particularly on the nintendo mags um, which um, which of those uh, editors did you kill at the end, like Charlie Sheen in uh, Platoon? <laughs> who was Tom Berenger? Who, uh, well, all the Nintendo the editors were like long gone by that. Like, they died out. I don't like. I don't know. Is there a scene where just like a helicopter full of good guys crashes in a forest and explodes? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that might be a different Vietnam film. I um, mean, that's maybe Apocalypse Now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't know who my my Willem Dafoe dying slow motion to that nice music is. But um, I don't know, Mark Green on Endgamer maybe. I don't. Know. He's still very alive. rich analogy. Yeah, very rich there. Yeah. Um, t- cultural uh, text um, applied to your career. So yeah, um, two clunky film analogies in Matthew. I wanted yes. to ask you what you remember of like Games Magazine covers when you were reading them as like a, a younger man. Like, um, which covers kind of stand out to you when you uh, when you remember what you were reading at that time? I. I I remember certain N64 covers better than probably any others because they were magazines that stayed with me, as in, like, I had them to hand for ages because I was rereading them, I was obsessing over games that I couldn't get access to. Sometimes they had, like, huge guides or whatever, so I literally just had them as a, you know, I needed to keep them. Like I And, you know, I remember particularly very tatty copies of, like, uh, N64's big GoldenEye 64 cover, uh, and N64's Perfect Dark cover. Um, because of all the Nintendo mags, N64 seemed to have this incredible relationship with Rare. Like, they just seemed to get better access than anyone else and, and world-exclusive access. You know, even official Nintendo didn't, which was kind of wild given that, you know, Rare were a Nintendo thing at the time. Um, and, yeah, like, they're, they are, they're, they're kind of great-looking for their time in a way. Like, again, they reflect the mag. They're so busy. You know, they had this quite striking art, um, sometimes, you know, uh, drawn by Will Overton, was still doing them at the, at the beginning of the mag. Um, and they were absolutely, like, packed with just cover lines of, like, so much excitement. You know, they they really reflected what was inside. They weren't trying to be cool... You know the N the N sixty four brand was manic, and their covers were manic too. You know, by modern standards, you might not like frame them, but they 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 felt like kind of artifacts of their time. Um, mm. And I just can see them now. I can see the color of it. You know, I can see that perfect art. It's really white. The you know, I can see the words. I can see the character on it, um, which I don't know if you could say for like, you know. As like, I can't even, I, you know, I can't think of as many end gamer covers, for example. Yeah, this had a, they they just reflected the mag, which I really loved. Um, and then I, I also used to read a lot of Games Master, and there it was more about, um, like the art that jumped out was things like Shenmue, Metal Gear Solid. Um, I think it's, I mean, a they they did do, you know, they did nice solid covers. They were very like good with colour, like, they've, I can remember the colour of, you know, when I was looking over old uh, Games Master issues, um, you know, I looked at them and was instantly, like, taken back to my, you know, bedroom reading them, and I remembered, like, that particular art on that particular colour background um, for definitely things like Metal Gear Solid, like, it was that kind of time, um, 
where I had an N64 and I didn't have a PlayStation 1, where, you know, I didn't never had a Dreamcast. Um, so it was like mags that were like a window to something I didn't have. Um, mm. I don't know if that's just me reacting to, like, the games rather than the cover designs, but the choice of games, I think, speaks to that. Games Master were very good at, like, they always had what seemed cutting edge and incredibly sexy on the front, which is why I kept buying it. Yeah, I think that um, if when you look at Games Magazine covers now, they are like the best portal back in time to a certain era for yeah. games. Um, just browsing them on the various kind of wikis that collect them, and uh, yeah, I um, I, I know I, I think that like you say, it's a bit of both. Like um, it's the kind of editorial mindset that goes into picking it. So um, a couple I've uh, I've noted here of like my favourites when I was reading Games Mag as a younger man. So. I specifically remember my first issue of PC Gamer was the Half-Life review cover. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my dad had brought it home from the fire station where he worked. Um, obviously, some mate had bought it. And um, I remember just reading that, like, cover to cover and absorbing so much information because I was, like, 11. So, you know, you you have nothing but the capacity to just, like, you know, take everything that's written down and, like, push it into your brain yeah. because it's more interesting than anything else you know at that time. So... I remember reading about Baldur's Gate for the first time. That was in the preview section. And yeah, I had no idea what Half-Life was. I was kind of aware of what games were big on N64 and um, PlayStation. But then Mm. Half-Life seemed like this whole other thing. It seemed a lot more mature. I was very baffled by the fact that the lead character is wearing glasses. I thought, that's a bit odd. Um, (laughs) Not that people with glasses can't be heroes too, Matthew. Um, But uh, yeah, that was one. And then um, another one was... um, uh, the official PlayStation magazine review cover for Metal Gear Solid, which came with a demo disc that oh, yeah. me and a friend over the road uh, just played over and over again. That first room you go into in Metal Gear Solid when you um, you swim out and then there's like two guards and a third one turns up and you get on the elevator. I remember us doing that like f- seven times until we beat it and <laughs> working out for the first time. Oh my God, you can choke a guy from behind and kill him. And um, that's, all that stuff. I think that's like, isn't that the, like the legendary issue of official PlayStation that sold like half a million copies? Oh, really? Wow. That's there's, like, there's, uh... one, there's one issue of official PlayStation and it's attached to a demo and it must be Metal Gear, I think, where like it, it's like, you know, it's the mega. It, there's a number attached to it. It's either like record breaking or for games at the time, you know, just um, like, I mean, that's in a million, a half a million copies of one mag. I mean, that's more than, like, all in-gamer sold together, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I think that... Um, I remember the cover image very specifically. It was uh, Grey Fox, um, the uh, Yoshi Shinkawa art for Grey Fox. It was very simple, but um, very beautiful. And again, like, um, I felt like I hadn't seen another game that looked like that before. Mm. So it was kind of mind-blowing. And um, another one that comes to mind is there was an X-Wing Alliance cover for um, PC Gamer, I was big into Star Wars, and it had multiple Star Wars games in this issue, which I'm sure made my head explode at the time. It had the two Episode 1 games that were coming out. One would be good, one would be terrible, and um, <laughs> X-Wing Alliance was uh, reviewed inside, and uh, it had a, basically the uh, Millennium Falcon flying towards the second Death Star. And there's, there's no way to, even now, you can guarantee I will buy any magazine that has an image of that on the cover. So, yeah, and... Um, Yes, I remember as well. Like the, just when I bought a PS2, I bought the um, issue of official PlayStation Two magazine that had uh, Devil May Cry on the cover. I thought, who's this cool dude with the silver hair and the two guns? 
and uh, it was Dante, obviously. But again, that was like um, I had, hadn't been paying attention to games for a couple of years, and then the PS2 seemed very exciting at that point as a kind of way back into games. So um, yeah, those ones stand out, Matthew. Any others come to mind for you? No, I you know there's I mean there's just too many. I read so many games mags. Um, yeah. but it's the ones that I, I think the ones that I remember are mainly the, the issues I kept of um, yeah of certain things. I, I wrote a couple of letters to Games Master and got them oh. printed in issues, and I remember them. Like one had a Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three cover, not a great cover, but I remember it just because it had my letter in. So I kept it and was always opening it to look at it, just to remind myself that I'd written a letter into Games Master because um, I had no life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's kind of sweet, and it kind of like you know, it was sort of a a good prelude to what would uh, what would follow in your career. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I believe Thank one of those letters because I got another one in, and I'm pretty sure one of them is signed by Basil Pesto rather than Matthew Castle because I was I was embarrassed about putting my name on it. <laughs> Whereas Basil Pesto is far less embarrassing, uh, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I know, um, but it's like my brand; it's been going for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I shouldn't dunk on it. Okay. <laughs> So, Matthew, we're going to take a short break, then we'll come back and uh, discuss a whole host of covers that we worked on and um, the challenges we faced in uh, in making them. Um, I think it's going to be really fun to just examine some of these. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be good. Welcome back, Matthew. How are you feeling? uh, Still great, thank you. (laughs) Okay, good. So uh, in this section, we're going to discuss uh, like a five to seven, I think, covers that we worked on where there was a challenge that we faced in making them that we think will generate kind of a good story and give you a good insight as to how a games magazine cover is sort of crafted. Again, it's quite lighthearted stuff. There's no like salacious details in here, but it'll give you quite a good idea of like, for me and Matthew what we thought was valuable uh, editorially, and then like the kind of challenges you face sometimes in bringing these sort of covers to life. So, Matthew, should we go with one of yours first? Yeah, um, so I'm I'm slightly cheating with a couple of these because they are Endgamer covers that I didn't edit, but I was on the mag at the time and I remember us discussing them. Um, I want to start with <laughs> the, the our famous uh, WWE cover, Hmm. Um, which is uh, mainly remembered for the legendary strap line, which is the the line under the name of the game. Um, Biceps the size of big cows in the first ever shots of wrestling on Wii. Um, (laughs) What I like about... I like this line. It's a very endgamery line um, that that, uh, Greener, Mark Green, came up with. Um, But I think it also shows why we maybe shouldn't have done a wrestling cover is because, like, it's so dismissive and daft and um, it's so clear that we had no idea what we were kind of talking about. Like, this was the first game, you know, we, we, we... this was relatively on in my time on the mag. I think this was, like, issue, like, 12 or something. Um, and up until this point, like, I hadn't really had any opinions on covers. You know, I'd just been doing my staff writer thing and just liking the covers and being happy being there, but... Uh, this was one where I think everyone was thinking, ah, it just doesn't really work, it doesn't really fit. Like, 
we kind of agreed to the trip. We did a trip for this. Uh, it was a great trip. They took me to WrestleMania in Detroit. Um, I'm I sure you really appreciated that, right? I, like you got the- no, well, <laughs> <laughs> as I was there, like, it's sort of funny. So when I was on the trip, I was thinking, man, I really don't know anything about wrestling or wrestling games. And, you know, everything I was asking them was just really not working. Like, we did this interview and they, they the guys from Ukes's, um just weren't interested uh, in what I was saying. And we went to this event where we basically got to interview loads of wrestlers. They basically had us in rooms, then they brought loads of wrestlers on, on like a kind of a cycle so we each you know we in the room we each we had each wrestler for like five minutes and it was a mix of like wrestling press and games press who were there to cover the game and obviously all the wrestling press wanted to say like you know who are you gonna deck at wrestlemania tomorrow (laughs) and you know important questions for wrestling fans and then i kept butting in with like what's your favorite wii sport (laughs) um and it was just a nightmare because I could see everyone in the room being like, shut the fuck up, <laughs> you stupid time-wasting bastard. Um, <laughs> and I, so I was thinking like, oh man, we really don't like, like we really shouldn't be here. We really shouldn't be doing this. And then back home, I think they were having the same discussions because they'd got the cover art, which was just a picture of this chap, The Undertaker, the famous Oh, that's wrestler. who that is. Yeah. I was about to guess The Undertaker, so he's just looking I know like enough. he smelt a horrible fart. <laughs> he looks like he's been photographed in some kind of uh, nightclub. Um, I should also say, actually, um, to the listeners, if you want to see these covers that we're discussing, oh, yes. I'm putting them into a Google Drive or something like that, and there'll be a link in the description so you can yeah. have a reference point for what we're discussing. Yeah, so it's, it's not completely abstract. It's good. But it was just this weird bit of art. I mean, the, the wrestling games, they famously came with um, quite strict instructions of what you could do with the wrestlers because wwe is very like controlling of brands as lots Mm. of people are but like as they were real people i guess you couldn't like use photoshop to you know put a smile on the undertaker or something um and yeah so we were just dealing with this quite clumsy art we didn't really know much about the game like as we went out there we found out that the wii game like it was sort of still in the process of being formed like as to what it actually was so that's the they you know they didn't really show it to us they talked about it in a really vague way um which is why i think it it's just called wwe on the cover i don't think we actually knew what the name of it was right. um, <laughs> which is like because it doesn't make any sense wwe is not the name of the game <laughs> um, it just yeah. looks and now every time i see it i think oh yeah that just that looks as unfinished as the thing I experienced on the trip. Um, <laughs> but it's made up for by the fact that one of the side things is a Super Mario, uh, Super Paper Mario review, and the little flash above it is just him again. That's <laughs> a great. If... <laughs> that's a great hit. I like yeah, that. Yeah, just like oh, it's Mario, of course. Um, but yeah, that was um, that was a tricky one. You know, uh, to, like that was the first time I'd sort of felt a little bit like, uh, you know disappointed in that i you know hadn't like been able to kind of explain it because that's the other thing is is the um you know when someone's trying to make a cover and you're the person on the trip and they're like pumping you for angles and you're like uh kurt angles huh there you go kurt angles kurt you see? Ang- yeah it's a wrestling reference that's what i should have said they were all wrestlers i've never heard of and never heard of since there was a, there was a wrestler we talked to and his whole gimmick was he either bit tomatoes or apples and then spit them at people which is just disgusting um, okay. Do you not remember which of the two that he did, or was it like he did both and he alternated? 
Uh, it was, I think it was apples, because right. you don't want to carry a tomato around the whole time, because it's quite a fragile uh, fruit. It'll, it'll splatter much easier. Like an apple, you could hide in your, you know, wrestling pants or whatever it is you wear. Um, but a tomato, <laughs> you couldn't. They'd throw you, you'd splat on the mat, and then with tomato juice would spray out your shorts, and everyone would think something had gone horribly wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um... Yeah, I mean, first of all, you using the term wrestling pants. Clearly, you know the terminology of wrestling yes. extremely well. You learned a lot from this trip, I see. Um, yeah. But also, this cover, I think, also features like a really, really good hit, but an extremely long one, which is the 20 Nintendo moments life was invented for. And yeah. like, I feel like if I'd have suggested that to my designer on PC Gamer, he'd have been like, that's way too long. Can you make it three words? And I'd have yeah, been like, we were, mm. yeah, it was just a a wordy silly mag but this that sidebar i thought reflected the kind of character of the mag well um in that it was quite crammed it had some goofy wordplay in it i like that they were always coming up with stupid terms um for like the 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 kind of you often have a hit which has got like a lot of games you've got reviewed so it'll mm. be like inside this game, this game, this game, this game, and it was always reviews something daft. I remember another one was reviews suitcase, um, <laughs> but I like reviews platter, and it doesn't yeah. even name the games. Spiders, combat, big face dogs, fighting afros. God knows what any of those were, but um, it makes you want yeah. to read it. It does. It sure does. I mean, a combat. I feel like I can guess the rest. Yeah, I might struggle with. But um, <laughs> so Matthew, my first one is. Yeah. Um, a PlayStation All-Stars on the cover of Play Magazine in 2012. So Play was my first editor gig. Uh, well, I was deputy editor at the time, technically, but it was my first time being responsible for the covers of a magazine. And um, we did this uh, sort of split run of like four covers where you had basically Kratos, Nathan Drake, Sackboy, and Raiden from Metal Gear Solid <laughs> um, to represent this... I think very much forgotten Sony fighting game that was actually pretty good um, of like its own version of Smash Bros that felt very cut price by comparison yeah, and basically had no uh, no chance against them. Even though I think if they made this game now, it would probably be very popular um, because people actually quite like some of the PlayStation characters. Yeah, there's a bit more of a retro PlayStation movement, I think. Mm, yeah, for sure. They were just a bit early to it here. But um, yeah, so... I kind of like um, a couple of the uh, games. Ha- game characters had nice artwork, so Drake looked alright, Raiden looked alright. Sackboy had a massive head, and I remember um, my designer at the time complaining, "Why is his head so big? We can't fit any cover lines on the cover." Um, <laughs> and obviously, since it's like a split run, you want them to look kind of similar. And uh, yeah, and the Kratos artwork, which I- I've um, supplied an image for you here, looks terrible. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think this just sort of sums up the sort of like slightly miserable period that playstation was in at this point so it had just been quite a rough generation and obviously the ps4 would be a massive resurgence for sony but at the time i remember like feeling very pessimistic about playstation generally and just not very excited by it and um mm. yeah what do you make of this cover matthew yeah i mean it's your, your eyes just drawn in this particular one to the kratos like the it looks like a screenshot a bit yeah, it does. I think, um, yeah, I can't tell, but he looks very sort of pale as well. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, uh, it's future, I mean, future of PlayStation. I mean, that's classic. It's, it's funny, like, I can see covers now where I'm like, that's a magazine that doesn't have access, and they're cobbling <laughs> together, like, 
15 things they know, little things they know into like a big feature. Because I did this mm. a lot, which is like, which is where you have your like Xbox Fights Back, your future of PlayStation, your 20 Nintendo games. That means 20 Nintendo games in not much detail, I'm afraid. Yeah, that's, yeah, and it's, there's some, there's some nice games on there. I guess you couldn't just put Uncharted 4 on it. No, I mean, it was like too early, basically. It was 2012, so Uncharted 4 didn't exist yet. It was very oh, much right. a speculative. <laughs> <laughs> like, please. <laughs> nice (laughs) yeah you see where this is going and uh, one of the hits is ps4 in 2013 question mark um so it's very like speculative i think just because there was nothing more to think about at that time with playstation other than like what was coming up so that was part of the thinking there but yeah we also had like the exclusive review of playstation all-stars which i think got like 80 something or 70 something but um Mm. yes uh, history has forgotten it i would say it's uh I don't think it's on anyone's list for, like, you know, a HD remaster or whatever. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, tell me about your next one, Matthew. This is the absolutely honking Professor Layton cover. This is a bit of a cheat, I think, actually, because this this was definitely in a wallet, which I can't find the image of. Um, but I remember this because we had the... We were doing Professor Layton and Lost Future... We love Professor Layton. Professor Layton was actually reasonably big, so it wasn't a disaster of a cover idea. Um, whether it was big with people who bought mags, I don't know, but it was, you know, it was big enough. But the problem is uh, that Professor Layton is like just a terrible, terrible character to work with on a cover because right. he's basically a beige tube. Uh, <laughs> he is, yeah, he definitely he's, is. He's a tube with dots on it for eyes and. <laughs> It's not iconic, like, because he's so long, he's so tall, that, you know, maybe if you see him, his whole body, you'd be like, oh, that's like the iconic Professor Layton look. But his face alone doesn't look like anything. He looks like fucking Mr. Ben or something. Um, (laughs) And he's got this hat, which is really tall, and it's, so that's iconic, but if you put the hat on, you're literally going to have his face down (laughs) off the bottom of the page. Um, And... He, it was just a character cutout. Like that's what we had to work with uh, on this one. So you've just got a picture of uh, <laughs> just <laughs> Professor Hayton. That's disguised the fact that there's nothing else going on in the art. They cast him in like shadows, right. um, which just he's sort of emerging there. And it then I think the logo was a funny shape, so we couldn't even put the logo on for a bit of like exciting brand recognition. So we had to write the words Professor Layton and the Lost Future, which is quite a long game title. And then we uh, seemingly did it in uh, Times New Roman uh, or something akin to it. And it's just one of the most baffling things ever. I'd actually had forgotten about this until we went back and was like, oh, man, like... I I know like I like trust me we laughed about this on the mag like how kind of mad this art was and trying to make it work but this is this is the only cover I've ever of a mag I've worked on where I thought I could have maybe have made this um, <laughs> as an art person uh, which isn't to put down Andy who was a brilliant art editor but this was just a nightmare is it meant to be Time magazine I think that's what it's going for. It's like a Time Man of the Year thing, right? Because then it uh, says like... time to read our exclusive review. Because it's the lost future, I guess. Um... And it's about time travel. But I don't think we actually said that at the time. 
I think that's entirely accidental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does look like a cover you'd see saying, like, you know, Elon Musk has a plan to save the world with uh, electric cars or something like that, except, <laughs> except it's Professor Layton. Except it's a beige tube with an enigmatic smile. <laughs> it um, does also look like a sort of Sopranos DVD cover, um, this just... where it looks like he's going to break your kneecaps, you know what I mean? Yeah, it is, it's mad. It's such a mad cover. What are we doing with that? I, I, the wallet can't. That isn't the wallet. I know that much. Um, well, when there's a wallet, anything goes. I think it's just a yeah, very different oh yeah. Deal. But this this uh, as a thing, I'd want to keep around and cherish for years to come. Like, oh, Professor Layton was a night. Like, I love Professor Layton. He is so hard to make look good. He's just like a sausage in a hat. So yeah, count yourself lucky. Mm, well, uh, good stuff. I mean, it, I I don't think it's sort of like I don't know. It's not quite as bad as you say it is i don't think and if you pulled it out of a wallet i don't think you'd even think about it that much um surely but was... the font you'd be like that's odd okay it was the funniest of the ones that you sent over to me okay i was good, like right. okay that has amused me um <laughs> in several ways um so my next one matthew yeah. is uh, a daisy cover for pc gamer um so this was my first issue of pc gamer and that's why i picked this one because it was like uh uniquely sort of interesting one to do because daisy was a game that was out and people could play it so i've never done a cover like this before where you were kind of like i can't there was no bigger game at the time it was the best-selling game on steam every day uh one of the most played games on steam i think a lot of what daisy did really well and would later be bottled up by PUBG. yeah and kind of like you know reformatted into these quick matches but um the kind of like rough but kind of like amazing when it works um sort of vibe of daisy made it a perfect candidate for a cover it was quite a hard one to make the artwork um so the art is like um it's like a dude in a baseball hat with a gun and there's like some zombies behind him and it was made bespoke for us by um an artist at bohemia and i was very grateful for their hard work and um we'd actually given it to uh, a photoshop artist to give it this kind of like walking dead style kind of grimy texture um and uh, you know when i look at it now like I think we, I think I kind of nailed this in the first one. Like I, it's not like the best cover art ever in terms of like it's not super glossy like an Assassin's Creed cover art piece would be. But um, I like the the different hits I've got. So we had um, an interview with uh, Dean Hall about the future of the game, and uh, he was the great game's creator and uh, is working on something else now these days. And uh, we also did an amazing diary feature where we were on the front page of Twitch and we were basically basically just played Daisy to see what would happen. And then um, because we were on the front page of Twitch, loads of people worked out which server we were on and started coming to, like, basically hunt us down live um, <laughs> for sports. And it was so entertaining. And, um, yeah, we made this cool diary feature. We did, like, a, a kind of photo uh, shoot to go with it. Um, but, yes, I just remember panicking when I saw this artwork because I thought... That doesn't look like a cover, uh, the kind of cover art I am used to. And this very much was like a, a recurring theme on PC Gamer of like <laughs> right. taking this unconventional artwork and uh, making it work. What do you think of this cover, Matthew? Yeah, I, I, I can I can see where you're coming from. I like all the, I like all the hits on it, um, and you know the Steam machines. That's 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 decent. You know, everyone knows what that is. It's nice and recognisable. Um, you've channeled the old Left for Dead um, excitement on there. That's a yeah. What X did next? I like that. Yeah, you're right about you're right about the slightly pasty-looking nervous bloke. He looks like a, just a bloke who's sort of wandered wandered into a magazine cover, and you're like, "What? Who's this guy?" Um, yeah. 
I how did you how did you feel about um, like games which were like phenomenon games and proven successes in terms of like whether there was a mag audience for them because I was often struggling with this like in theory like Minecraft thing was the biggest game in the world but I never mm. put Minecraft on the cover because I felt like it, it just didn't like belong to mags or belong to us or or anyone who was interested in it was playing it and we didn't really you know know how to kind of like punch our way into that audience I mean um, did that ever give you kind of give you the fear yeah a little bit because you have to ask the question of like what is new for the reader that makes this exciting and mm. um in the case of uh, Daisy, we had this really good beefy interview with Dean Hall. It was very like blue sky. Like I'm not even sure a lot of the stuff is even in the game now. Um, seven years after we did the um, did the cover, but um, nonetheless, it was um, it was just kind of like capturing the lightning in a bottle, and that was good. There's like one other cover on here um, that in my list that I um, I think will kind of is a, a similar situation. But um, yeah. I agree, it was tricky to make right. You think, oh, Fortnite on the cover, but then you know do. What's going to change in Fortnite before you go on sale? Probably everything, because yeah, that's how Fortnite right. works. Um, yeah. So yeah, t- kinda, tricky for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of glad in a way that like I, I kind of left Mags before that kind of games as service thing had really kicked in properly on console, because mm. I know there'd be like a lot of pressure to have a stance and have an opinion on those things, which I don't really, um, you know, like we just never covered them on on any of the YouTube channels I've worked on because I just felt like they were so oversaturated i couldn't i didn't really have anything to say um but yeah trying to make a cover out of them yeah tricky tricky Mm. was this the was this the feature the daisy session where one of your staff right ben griffin murdered someone and covered it up uh yes he kind of like there was this like um (laughs) this nice girl who uh joined us on the server just randomly she didn't know we were streaming and then yeah i think he just killed her uh, privately and then we found out later <laughs> it's like a notorious pc gamer anecdote that story that one i think uh, i did something similar though which was um, some of the bohemia developers very nicely joined us on the stream and um one of them said oh um, i'm logging off now but i've got loads of stuff in my backpack does anyone want it and i went yes me and i swung at him with an axe straight away and it was <laughs> so spontaneous that everyone just burst out <laughs> laughing um that uh you know here's this here's this new editor to put his kind of psycho mark on the pc gamer team it's <laughs> like yeah don't good samaritan <laughs> yeah don't mess with me um so matthew hit me with your next one yeah so this one this one was this was when i edited um this is nintendo gamer uh wii u in crisis question mark and it kind of goes in hand hand in hand with the next issue which was 10 games that will save nintendo and this is this is the result of I think was this even the first issue I worked on I can't remember if this was the first one or not but it's um I I had like I had major issues with Wii U in Crisis um, because we were waiting for the Wii U to come out we didn't really know a lot about it we wanted to get it on there and for some reason there was. Like at the time, the, the way we made this mag, I should probably explain. Is Nintendo Gamer? I was sort of part of a uh, kind of a, a sort of an editing hub, so I had guidance from some other editors. And there were a lot of other voices who weren't on Nintendo mags who were like, you know, let's let's really sex this up. Let's let's you know let's 
let's kind of challenge it. Let's challenge Wii U in some way. Where I was like, the last thing I want from a Nintendo mag, if I'm a Nintendo fan, is for it to tell me the thing which is coming out is shit. Mm. Um, and so there was just, I remember like, it was just a, it was quite a big, big fight over Wii U in Crisis. Um, and like whether to try and put a, a better sort of spin on it. Because I didn't think it was in Crisis. We just didn't know anything about it. The other thing was, we were, and this, this, this was, this increasingly became a problem over the years, I think, with covers. It's, it's, um, we felt like we were chasing online stories, you know, like room. It had rumored someone on like NeoGaf had said, like, "Oh, I heard it's there's big problems. There's big problems with Wii U." And I didn't want our cool Nintendo mag to be basing its cover choices on some like bullshit rumor. But it was just so much appetite for it that it felt like that was the story, and people wanted it. So this was just a case of trying to kind of like, I don't know make a a story out of nothing which i don't really think worked um but we then did the 10 nintendo games to save nintendo and i still hate i hate the save you know because this idea that nintendo is in some kind of you know that wasn't the line of the mag at all we were very like positive and excited about it and i kind of wish i put my foot down a bit more about it but at least there it was a bit more proactive because it was like there's this exciting stuff to look forward to where i think were you in crisis is just a really confusing cover line um and every time i look at it now i'm like ah oh, that's just not that isn't that isn't like that isn't what i thought um yeah so i don't know I mean, why it's there <laughs> my f- my first question is why is the wii U controller the wrong way around um it's kind of like turned on its side um, and then Link's sort of looking at you. Um, was that just yeah, to make I, it fit on the cover? That's probably just to make it fit on the cover. It's probably so we can get like a slight dodgy picture of Link on there. Um, <laughs> I think there was some like, <laughs> I think there was some confusion about. Actually, I think Nintendo, in their actual official artwork, which obviously this, this, this Wii U was taken from had shown it i think these hands there may have been like it may have been a photo shoot which had these hands which we replaced with shadow hands mm. i want to say is is my memory of it so like they were showing it off in this calibration but i think it was just to sort of show like it, this was i don't think anyone had played it yet so yeah. it was um yeah it was just before that e3 where they first let people play it and there was just so much sort of rumor and so this was just sort of like oh deal with this mad thing you know can you kind of get your head around it and um and this thing the truth and <laughs> the truth which this mag definitely didn't have and then <laughs> offers and why it might not even be called wii u at all and it was it just was uh, it's, yeah i've kind of experienced similar sort of I think we might have done a Games TM cover or two that were like um, uh, the Xbox One. Obviously, the announcement of that was a true disaster, um, and I think we might have alluded to that in a couple of um, a couple of different covers. And yeah, you do feel like you're chasing some kind of like, oh, if this is spicy, someone will see it on the shelves and ju- and it will jump out of them, which might be true. But at the same time, this harkens back to that thing we talked about in a previous episode where. When you're working on a single format mag, you are kind of a cheerleader for that format as well. So, yeah. like you say, you don't necessarily want to write off the thing that your readers are excited no, about, you know? You know, especially, like, as the other big hit is Mario Party 9. Mario Party, which I'm not a fan of, you know. So it's quite galling that the two big things, I think, on, on like, an early issue that I was looking after was 
this thing you're excited about is shit. And we're definitely RSVPing with a yes to marry a party, which are two <laughs> things I would never hold to be true. <laughs> I mean, I would never RSVP yes. I RSVP, even if that, that game it comes out and everyone says it's a 10 out of 10, I will not go to marry a party because I've had such a bad time at a previous marry a party. Um, yeah, no way. Um, that's mad. That's a mad yeah. cover. Um, well, but, oh, and actually, the 10 games that's, that will save Nintendo does have the... Uh, Classic Lego Batman GTA meets Batman in Wii's <laughs> kick-ass epic. It's also got my virtual girlfriend Shane, which I think shows that we were for some reason going quite heavy on the tabloidy kind of shoutiness. Um, <laughs> but some cover lines feel like website clickbait to me rather than cover lines. Like, I don't think clickbait necessarily works on a cover. Because um, yeah. it's five pounds. You know, it's not like no one's going to gamble five pounds on one hit like that. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's that thing where you want to sort of, um, yeah, you want to feel like you're living in your own sort of bubble. Because now when I pick up a magazine, I want to be out of the internet bubble of like, you know, people discussing stuff. Yeah. And that's but why, I, yeah. I, I, th- I think this was a bit of a transition period where, like, we were, go- we were just undergoing big changes. You know, we'd relaunched End- you know, Endgamer as Nintendo Gamer, and, that you know, there were just some changes with, like, how the mag teams were structured and things, and it, it felt like, a, you know, we have to be proactive and try something different, and for some reason the flavour was, um, uh, yeah, this slightly kind of more tabloidy, shouty style. I'm also a big fan of Aliens Colonial Marine Shock, Wii U version will blow away PS3 and 360, <laughs> and it never came out. <laughs> it never well, came out, and also it didn't matter what version was best of that game because it was ass. So uh... <laughs> I've got a couple more questions about this cover, Matthew. Oh, yeah. um, which I do think is a nice cover, actually. Like I really like the um, yeah the sort of uh, what do they call it uh, <laughs> when it's words? What's that called again? <laughs> Forgotten all the like, magazine like, terminology. It... Uh, typographical. Uh, Yes, type, the typography. Yes, yeah. um, it's really nice for the ten games that will save Nintendo. Yeah, um, that was that was nice actually. What what is my virtual girlfriend shame? Uh I think there was that. What was the name of it? There was a 3DS Konami dating game. Did that get localized? Okay. I think it was either that or it was. No, it wasn't. It didn't get localized. But we we did a lot of import stuff, and I think we got a Japanese journalist or a freelancer out in japan who read japanese to basically play um whatever the konami one was oh it wasn't called love life love okay well that, it, that makes yeah, sense the, the, the only thing i remember about this game is that a bloke in japan married his copy of the game because he fell in love with his 3ds girlfriend um and it was basically just a here's what here's what virtual girlfriend games are about, but disguised as a sort of uh, my virtual girlfriend shame. That was mm. quite fun. Yeah, that's no, good. Uh, my other one is um, all new Pokemon. P- Pikachu fights feudal warlords in the maddest DS game yet. I don't remember this game. Which do you remember which one that was? Yeah, this was a this was a cr- I think it was a crossover between Pokemon and and Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> I don't remember this game, but I think but... it wasn't. It wasn't like a Dynasty Warriors game. I think it was a. I think it might be made by like Koei, but it was a. It was a. Um, yeah, static like two. Yeah, it was like two D. I think it was a bit like Advance Wars. Man, that is that is absolutely like vanished from my head. But 
I remember it. I remember it being a thing. Basically, if there was anything Pokemon, you always stuck Pikachu on there um, all the time. Like that mm. was just a golden, you know, any any excuse to stick a Pokemon on there. Even that was always quite cynical because there weren't really any Pokemon fans on the mag ever uh, when I worked on it. So we were always sticking it on there. What's um, interesting is that I think that um, this is another side note, but I'll keep it brief. Um, Pokemon is one of those things where when I joined Games Media, no one really understood it um, or talked about it all that much. There were a couple of writers who liked it, but uh, nowadays you can find loads of great writing about Pokemon online um, from people who were like about five years younger than me um, who grew yeah. up with it and like uh, can talk about it in a kind of intellectually interesting way. And I think... Every phenomenon you can think of now, that will happen with in the future. There will be like, I mean, there already are people who write about Minecraft in a serious way, but there'll yeah. be people who do the same with Fortnite and uh, with yeah, you know, Genshin yeah. Impact. Like it will, it will happen where, yeah, eventually the people who enter the sort of games media space do take it seriously. But yeah, you're right. There was a certain generation that just did not get Pokemon. They were just about, they were just too old for it when it broke. That's so, what, uh, yeah, that was, that was me all over for sure. Okay, so Matthew, my next one. Uh, is a Pillars of Eternity cover uh, on PC Gamer. So this was an interesting one because I think the game was spot on. It was, you know, a kind of Kickstarter, I think it was Kickstarter-led game uh, by Obsidian. They were essentially making a spiritual successor to classic RPGs like Baldur's Gate and uh, Icewind Dale and Neverwinter Nights, all that stuff. Uh, Mostly Baldur's Gate. But um, yeah, so I think this was a great choice for a cover but I highlighted this one because I think it speaks to the kind of challenges of doing a game that broke on in an unconventional way. So Kickstarter was still relatively new in 2014 when I did this cover. And um, even though I think it was the right game, it's that thing of like, oh, I don't know if like everyone knows what Pillars of Eternity is. You know, I don't know if it's as widely known as like Baldur's Gate was back in its day. So mm. there was a slight gamble aspect to it. But also the cover art was not great. Um, it's like this uh, beardy guy. There's quite storybookish art, I would say, um, of like a, a beardy guy with a with a sword and a shield. I don't think it was all that good. But um, it's funny because um, years later, PC Gamer would do a Pillars of Eternity 2 cover when I wasn't editing the magazine. And it looked amazing. It was like a giant like Titan guy in a sea attacking a pirate ship. And I was like, that's yeah, way better. Yeah. But here we've got some like vague dragons in the background. And it was just more like concept art than uh, cover art. What do you make of this one? Yeah, I, I, I had lots of things like this. Yeah, it's 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 a... Uh... It's kind of a nightmare because, like you say, this is this is the perfect example of like everything's good about the access in the game, but like the key thing, the fundamental thing of how it looks on the cover just doesn't doesn't you know doesn't quite work. But you have to take that kind of hit because it's what you've got, and you know the story's too good to to not do it. Mm. Um, you know, gamble on you know gamble on it. Um, I think you've got some good supporting stuff though, like the twenty five best adventure games. That's that's big and sexy. Hmm. next to it i'm into that as as a like a you know if you like this you will also like this i mean that's one thing i'd say uh, for a lot of my covers is that they don't like very few of them tell a kind of coherent story between like the main hits and the other hits of like oh if you like this you'll probably also like this thing where that does i think um well thank well, you very much yeah um, yeah that's good yeah i always like pc gamers covers you know i always thought they felt you know they sort of reflect, reflective of the mag you got inside. The, your big extra life hit gave you some nice sort of chewy hits of like you know a better idea of what you were going to get. Yeah, I have a vivid memory of this particular cover 
being in contention with another game. I think it was Assassin's Creed Unity I was thinking about, and then it ultimately came down to like, I think I was on holiday for a week with my ex-girlfriend in a Costa in Worcester, looking at my phone frantically with like two weeks to go trying to pick a cover. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad we did this one in retrospect. Uh, but um, yeah, it's I just... Go ahead. Yeah, I, it just reminds me of that feeling of like, when you're having the discussions with people about getting cover art and they're like, you haven't seen it. And it literally, the whole thing hinges on that. And you've almost, you're going ahead because you're like, this is too good. Like, we have to do this. Like, I really want this game. And it's like, how bad can it be? You know, I'll kind of agree. You know, I don't think we have agreed to something entirely without seeing cover art, but mm, close to at times. And you'll promise, like, oh, mate, you're going to love it when you see it. It's really amazing. They've made something really nice for you. And your (laughs) art editor would, like, download, like, some massive folder from an FTB site. And then um, (laughs) you'd have that, like intake of breath as you unzipped it on the desktop <laughs> and then you click on it and be like oh no <laughs> that's too oh, real no. oh that's too real matthew also having to use a fucking like weird program to download it from an ftp um, yeah. and yeah you're like bringing it going none of our things work with their weird <laughs> site and you get it there and you're like oh maybe we clicked on the wrong thing maybe there's another piece of art hidden on the weird <laughs> ftp site <laughs> Yeah, FileZilla. I remember trying to figure out how the fuck FileZilla works to get like cover up from like Square Enix or whatever, and it's like, oh my god, I'm so out of my depth. I don't understand this. <laughs> that's that's what this image brings to mind for me. Is just that sense of just the stress. It's such a stressful process getting a piece of cover up. Yeah, you know the whole negotiating the practicality of it, and then when you get it, it's just such a a roll of the dice, really. Yeah, I think this led to one of our worst back pages ever in PC Gamer 2, which was like the dragon in the background, which is kind of like laughing. It was like a kind of riff on the the joke husky meme. Um, (laughs) And it was so hated by one of the Rock Paper Shotgun co-founders that he tweeted about it. Um, and I was like, think I remember that was a low point of like that seems unnecessary, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but like um, you're right, the access was good. Obsidian were really good to work with on this cover. We were the first ones to see it in action, I think. So uh, yeah, no regrets on this one. Just uh, if the artwork was better, I'd look back on it as a slam dunk, you know. Yeah, for sure. What's the next one, Matthew? Uh, well, this is a pair of Nintendo O and M covers, which I think is more just a demonstration of something I was talking about earlier, where um, two issues they they ran. Um, next to each other and they had the same cover art um, which I think is pretty bold (laughs) in in magazine land admittedly one of them's got Mario in a Mario Kart 8 cart kind of driving tight around a corner and the other one is him like in the piece of art it was taken from but it's Mm. fundamentally the same like eye line it's the same Mario face I mean to me it was just so screamingly obvious that we'd put the same cover on. And I think it was the same access for both issues as well. And it was literally just, you know, except one we tried to spice up by making it about Nintendo blockbusters, because we also threw in the blockbusters that are, hmm, let me check my notes, Kirby Triple Deluxe (laughs) and Mario Golf World Tour. Um, (laughs) The face on Luigi, which I hope if you're listening to this, you will look at these covers, is my face looking at this issue and thinking, good God, and... But then the next issue, we ran it again, and the art was just great. I, lo- I actually love the Mario Kart 8 cover, because, um, you know, it's got this mad upside-down course. The big Mario Kart 8 here, I think, is quite fun. Um, you know, ignore the Sonic Boom <laughs> bit, um, and 
the absolutely unsexy as it comes promise of Skylanders 4 versus Disney Infinity 2 uh, <laughs> which is I mean I believe in the famous words of Aliens versus Predator whoever wins we lose uh, <laughs> Oh. Oh, <laughs> so, um, uh, versus, oh my god. Like, it's different if it's like Uncharted versus GTA. You're like, wow, what a slog. That's that's gonna be a real fucking slugfest, that. But like, Skylanders 4 versus, I mean, that's like, I don't know, my like local hometown village football team kind of playing. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it was just the stress of having to do it again and, and, um, put the, the same art on there and you know we liked the games and you know the logic was i mean there were all you know not to go into sales figures and whatnot but you know there are always these statistics of like you know x number of your readers have never picked up an issue before no one really knows you know there was this there's a lot of talk when you make magazines about like arcane rules that don't really make any sense. You can mm. disprove something easily. Sometimes you have a magazine cover that just explodes, and like sometimes you put your hand up and say, "I don't really know why it did that." Um, it felt like a bit of a dark art to me, so I wasn't too worried about that. But just two—I don't know—two Mario Karts in a row. So I personally think these covers are pretty good. Um, so looking them back to back, I would not assume there was like a software drought necessarily. And um, I think that Mario Kart was the right game to go all in on. So, yeah, I don't yeah, think you should... Uh, I mean, yeah. It was either that or Mario Golf World Tour, and I just couldn't really bring myself to do that. I really uh, like this hit that's um, 30 Tomodachi life, uh, Life's Funniest Bits. You will lol. That's oh, good. you will lol. Imagine putting lol on the cover. Hello, fellow kids. Uh, <laughs> the year is 2014. Um, yeah, I am... Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I think you're a bit harsh of yourself there. Like, also getting Kirby on a Nintendo cover alongside Mario? Nah, nothing wrong with that. I yeah, I think um, as much as you speak about, like, how Piece of Gamer covers um, were good for the um, cover matching the insides, I think that I never had to work on a Nintendo magazine during a period as fallow as this, and that is its own challenge for sure, right? Yeah. It just... It, it, yeah, just on the mag, it felt like we were doing this. I remember as well, like... Because um, I think this is the time we we just hired um, Kate Gray, our staff writer, and like in so like internally working on that mag, I felt terrible. Like your big introduction to Nintendo mags is that I'm basically going to make you write this cover feature twice, which is something like I had to do eventually, but not like until many years into it. So like I don't know, I kind of maybe I saw her as like a proxy for the readers and felt felt a bit guilty that we were kind of. I don't know. There was just, I felt I felt bad that we couldn't offer people like a more varied thing in general, and it was kind of maybe heightened by the staff on the, you know, trying to, you know, keep the job exciting and fun and everything. It was that that was always the challenge with with when it's dry periods, is just keeping everyone kind of motivated and pumped, so we actually kind of make make something fun. And I think we did do some fun features. I think one of the Mario Kart eights was just like a big round table with like me, Kate, and Joe talking about playing the levels which we'd hmm. written about the month before and it just had some really really like really silly bizarro jokes which are as funny as anything we ever did in Endgamer I think so I'm like proud of the mag's insight I just wish it was uh you know basically what a lot of my Nintendo mag experiences is now is thinking man the mag I could have made with the Switch lineup mm. you know <laughs> so I kind of I don't know would have liked to have had a shot at that I guess 
Yeah, I want to ask you a bit about that. Like, what do you think the modern experience of running Nintendo Magazine would be like if such a thing still existed? I mean... <laughs> Actually, right now, this year, I wouldn't really know, and, and the tail end of last year would have been stressful, but there was a period where they they just had so many first-party games coming out or on the horizon, or they were talking about them more openly. I would think I think it would be a, lo- a lot easier. I think the games have been gorgeous. Like The actual art for them has been, been, been great. Um, there's no competition. Like No one else is putting this stuff on magazine. There is no Nintendo magazine, so you know, you'd have first pick of it. I mean, yeah, I just I, I feel like the 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 switch fever could have could have carried a, a mag now. Yeah. yeah, I just it's just a shake like you know, God, I'd love to have made like an Odyssey cover and 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 just had fun with it in terms of like you think they had these really they weren't just great games but they had like concepts that were just ripe for you know weird interesting kind of um approaches and things you know i always think with odyssey you know you had this idea of like the kind of interplay of the hat and things you could have done something cool with a wallet where you like sliding the wallet out of the hat and it's like one of his transformations and all that kind of stuff um but yeah instead it's uh luigi looking really unhappy at a <laughs> golf uh hole that he he, he has to do <laughs> golf hole. Um... i don't know what's that called when you're on the putt he's uh... like it's a picture of Luigi going, oh, I don't know if I can do this, Pat. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's I mean, what he's thinking. Yeah, I like that you're, um, oh, well, I can't even dissect your uh, Luigi impression there. It's too, <laughs> it's too twisted. It's certainly different to how Charles Martinet would put it's, his. Um, it's more of a, of a Hannibal Lecter take. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I yeah, Hannibal Luigi Lecter. Luigi playing golf. <laughs> <laughs> it's a me, Mario. Um, okay, right. So, um, Matthew. My next one is, uh, I had to find my notes there, Uh, it's uh, Fable Legends on PC Gamer. So this was 2015, and this was an example of like, I need to put a covers together at the last minute because something I've been chasing for months has fell through, which happens loads on magazines. It just does. Um, Because publishers change their plans, or access comes in too late, or whatever it might be. It's like, it's not always the end of the world, even though I remember it feeling like it at the time. Um, So... I actually think this artwork is uh, really nice. And um, I actually picked this one out because I don't think there's anything wrong with this cover. I just think it's interesting sometimes you do end up doing covers for games that don't actually come out um, and never release. And that's happened to me twice. And um, I remember it happening on the cover of Games TM back in, like, I think 2007 or 2008. They had Tiberium, which was a cancelled third-person shooter set in the, um, uh, not Warhammer, Command & Conquer Conquer, universe. And, uh, yeah, it happens sometimes, right? Did that ever happen to you, like a game getting outright cancelled after you put uh, it on the cover? Outright cancelled? I don't think so. We had the, we had the infamous um, Manhunt 2 cover, where we actually had the world-exclusive review of Manhunt 2. And Kitsy went and reviewed it, loved it. Um, he really liked it. He put out this review. He had this big cover. And then the game got pulled um, because of uh, it kicked up a huge stink. Mm. Uh, in in the censorship, because it was like rated, it was it was um, it was the American side of things. I think it was going to be rated like an M or something, or right. which is the serious one, A adults. Uh, I think it's um, I think 
I, I can't, actually can't remember, but like I can't a, remember the game. Whatever it was going to be, oh, it, it was, was going to be like the only game on Wii which was rated this highly in by the American certification system, mm. and it got pulled. And they literally remade chunks of it, and they changed the game to hit the certification on it. So we actually reviewed a game which did come out, but it didn't ever exist in the format we reviewed it. And mm. when he did review it, he didn't like it as much because they'd like watered it down and changed it, and you know, the, so like. As far as I know, Kitsy's like the only person who played and reviewed that game as it was originally meant to be seen. That's fascinating. That's like, yeah, yeah. He should write a book about that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it sounded great. It sounded great. I, the, the only detail I actually remember from it was that um, there's something called the um, there was this mad scientist in it called Doctor Pickman, and he always thought it was talking about Pikmin. Right. It kept there was all these tannoy systems talking about Pikmin Institute, and he was like, "This is weird. Why is he talking about Pikmin?" Um, but that's a bit of color. I remember it, but yeah, it's the cover itself was disgusting. It was this like bloodshot, horrible eye, which just. It looked gross and maybe like a rude piece of anatomy. Um, it's it's yeah, it's it's pretty um, it's pretty unpleasant. But yeah, but Rockstar made some good Wii games, if I recall. Um, they well, was, they uh... did they did put in an effort, and actually, we had a pretty good relationship. You know, we did some good covers. We did a really nice bully scholarship edition when that came to Wii. Mm. Um, did we do table tennis as well? But yeah, they 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 did do a good. Uh, a good push they did that chinatown wars G, uh, ds game which was excellent but i don't think we ever put that on the cover which is I think, madness yeah, i think that's <laughs> a forgotten like gta game i feel like no one ever talks about that but it was it's um... properly good it's 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 better than the other traditional top-down 2d gta games like it's actually like pretty great mm. it had like a, a proper like mad drug economy in it where you could like lower the price of stuff by overselling and it was all about supply and demand it was it was pretty full-on yeah, I remember it a little bit. It was, looked really nice for a DS game as well. Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so my <laughs> going back to my cover very briefly. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. It was a good little uh, little anecdote. So, yeah, Fable Legends. So this was like the um, the last game that Lionhead worked on before they were closed down. And I think a lot of people at the time were like, um, why didn't Lionhead uh, make a full Fable RPG? And I'm pretty yeah. sure, this is like, not like 100%, but I'm pretty sure that Phil Spencer said something like, turnover was the reason they couldn't make a game like um fable 4 at the time um because like um it requires a kind of consistent team obviously a lot of the senior people had left to go work on uh, goddess that uh, kind of like forgotten uh, sort of god sim game um yeah. but yeah i really love this artwork and i remember that microsoft got access to uh, lionhead very late in the day and i was really grateful so yeah mm. um, this is a nice looking cover for a game that never ever came out a moba i think it was set in the fable universe which was always going to be a struggle i think um yeah and yeah. gta which is obviously the, the the hit everyone wants yeah so it's gta 5 on pc so it's like you know we, we already knew what the game was so we could write about it basically um, based on you know nothing at the time so yeah, yeah. Um, they did that and then a dota 2 uh diary feature where rock paper shotgun absolutely caned us in a <laughs> in a competitive game which is still a sore subject at the pub for uh, some former pc gamer people um but yeah uh, take me through your next one matthew uh, so this is one of my uh, OXM covers. Uh, this is uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 3. This one was like, I think there was a bit of a drought and I just wanted something massive. But this 
this is what happens. I just didn't have a feel for it, I think, is, is, is what I feel about this cover. I didn't really have a feel for Call of Duty Black Ops 3, why it was interesting and who it was interesting for. Uh, I actually think it's uh, sort of where I alluded to earlier when I was asking about the you about making picking covers for games which were like big and popular online is that i i felt with black ops 3 all the people who are interested in it were kind of consuming it on streams already and things like that i just didn't really think uh, like um the, the person who's interested in black ops 3 i didn't know if they'd actually pick, buy a mag um which isn't a very sturdy foundation to try and build a cover on and i was never very happy we did quite a lot of call of duty covers while i was editing at oxm um and I never felt very confident with any of my cover lines. Like, I never really felt like I, I found the right hook, the right angle. I mean, this one was an extra nightmare because the only art we had was the box art of this, like, man, really man-spreading himself out, which is just not very handy for a cover. I mean, it's obnoxious in real life, and it's obnoxious if you're trying to make an Xbox cover because you basically have just, like, a vast crotch to deal with. Um <laughs> And, you know, I tried my best. I stuck a little Star Wars Battlefront on there because I think we'd done Battlefront the issue before and it'd done quite well because, well, you just freaking Star Wars, you know, it just it flies. It was it, it, That seemed to be one of the magic things that really did work. So I was always sticking, sticking um, Star Wars, little Star Wars characters wherever I could. Um, uh, <laughs> the Rise of the Tomb Raider hit has got... I, I I think I was talking to someone about this the other week. Uh, this terrible l- format of move over something, which I was really big on. So right. move over Uncharted. Lara shows us what real adventure looks like. Whatever. Um, but I was t- always telling games to move over uh, on these bags to the point where I'd tell something to move over and then like a bit later I'd be telling the thing... <laughs> that itself to move over sometimes for the thing it had nudged out the way to begin with so it's like this constant idea of two games that are just like get out of my way it's my turn no it's my turn um i just it just made me look really indecisive that i just wanted everything to move out the way for whatever i currently had um yeah. it's a cover line i see a lot when i go back on my past issues um yeah, Uncharted seems to figure heavily in your cover lines. I which... had it hooked because I really liked Uncharted. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I'll just keep mentioning it and saying that we've got like something that's as good as Uncharted. Uh, yeah. As if it, like, I had a real chip on my shoulder uh, and it really manifests as all my cover lines. <laughs> Move over, Rise of the Tomb Raider. It's Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I, I think this is quite a good cover. I think that for me... Call of Duty is something I just I I my interest in it fell off a cliff after like Modern Warfare three and yeah at a certain point it stopped feeling like a game that sort of belongs to a sort of specialist gaming space and became so mainstream that it was like almost impossible to get a grasp on it because people were so tuned into it. So I remember working on a Play magazine cover. I mean, I wrote the cover feature. I didn't work on the cover for Call of Duty World at War, and that was the first one that followed call of duty 4 modern warfare so this was 2008 and it that did feel like a perfect kind of cover because it was like right they've just made cod 4 it's a completely game-changing fps everyone played it and everyone loved it and they're making another world war 2 one but it's not even the same developers so it's quite a good story to tell there whereas mm. now it just uh, call of duty obviously has never been more successful in terms of the number of players it reaches thanks to warzone but i don't really give a damn about it and it's, it feels like the 
I hear the story stuff in Modern Warfare, the last one, is quite ghoulish, but um, actually quite interesting and and um, worth worth playing. But mm. I can't say I've been that tuned into them. They, they just feel like they're very much on a production line to me now. Um, that's, not to, well, that's yeah. that's yeah. I I think that's the problem I had as an editor was like I felt the same way, and it just like I think you can just sense my sort of general disinterest from the lack of like. Not just being able to ever land a kind of killer blow with it. It's a shame because actually, I think the feature in this uh, was Alex Dale wrote this one was really good. Dale was uh, great at talking to um, like Call of Duty devs and Rainbow Siege Six devs and and getting really like juicy kind of uh, just just talking about it in a in a really exciting, interesting way. He was someone who was or, or you know had had enough of an interest to really deliver on them, and I just didn't. I didn't really feel like I had that um and so yeah i was I, I don't know never never quite happy with these these covers actually i felt uh, i haven't included it here but i sort of felt similarly when we did rainbow six siege which was like you know i trusted it was great but i just didn't have a like a natural feel for it you know it's the curse of having to make a cover without often having seen or played the thing mm. because you want going out on all these press trips yourself as an editor um so you just have to kind of like I don't know, style it out a bit. Yeah, so we did um, Siege on PC Gamer, and I think it was a better, f- maybe a better fit for PC Gamer because you could say, look, Ubisoft has made its own version of CSGO. Um, so- yeah, that's, yeah, you, you have an audience that it was tapping into, kind of already into the mag. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's smart. Oh, it's, it's, you know, you've still got the Tom Clancy thing, but um, yeah, I agree that sometimes it's hard to get a grasp on them. So, Matthew, uh, the last one I wanted to highlight was a cover I did in 2016 on PC Gamer for Ark uh, Survival Evolved. Um, This was really amazing in terms of access. I think we were the first people in the world to see this, like, entire kind of sci-fi layer they added to Ark Survival Evolved. Um, Got really good access, really good artwork um, and screenshots. Like, it's a bit... The cover art is a bit odd-looking, like the... It's a, It's not quite like up to you know like a, a kind of like a mainstream publisher standard, I guess, in terms of how glossy it is. But you know, it's got like robot dinosaurs in the background and gives you a taste of what it is. This is one I kind of picked because I remember feeling like I don't know if this is like as heartland as some of the other covers that I'd done on PC Gamer, and I didn't personally have much interest in Ark. I think I was kind of tracing it, chasing a trend a little bit here. Um, but also, mm. I had amazing access, so. It was um yeah it was worth doing I think but like um yeah well it's not one of my favorites when I look back on it simply because yeah I just didn't have that interest in arc and I um I don't know, it always struck me as like uh, just part of that generation of very janky survival games that ran really badly yeah, on PC right. yeah no matter which PC you, you had that, it just ran badly that is a very handy piece of art for that review special hit yeah. Yeah, you just got nothing there. You got a nice bit of cloud. Just sticking some stuff in. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, it was easy to read the text in that background. In fact, I think we might have even removed a layer of the artwork to create that space. Oh, um, okay, right. Yeah, that's and that's the other thing. Like getting the art and going, oh man, how are we going to make? How are we going to squeeze stuff around this bad boy? Yeah, um, I like the, the the sort of T Rex thing that looks like it's just bellowing at the woman in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that <laughs> meme of that guy talking to that girl at the nightclub. But it's, yeah. uh, but it's a T-Rex. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm not super down on this one, but I remember this one just being like, well, I don't think it... I outlined those four criteria at the um, start of the episode. That yeah. I don't think this quite one quite fulfilled the one where I felt like it was 
you know the kind of cover i really wanted to like see on pc gamer but um yeah i am um, i i very much appreciated the hard work of the uh developers who helped us um helped us make that so uh yeah, yeah. what's your final one matthew my, so my very last one is uh my mass effect andromeda this one this was really tricky so this was just after e3 and while I was at E3, I'd basically secured an interview with Bioware, which was, like, super valuable. Like, not many people had. Like, I, I, it was sort of purely by accident, by hanging around. I think something else had fallen through. Um, maybe maybe even, like, Star Wars Battlefront or something. And, and I think the PR to make it up was like, oh, well, we've got some of the Bioware guys here. They're not really doing like formal interviews because they hadn't really shown much of Andromeda at this point but he said you can sort of you know you can grab 20 minutes with them or whatever so I felt like I had this really precious asset which was people talking quite generally I'll admit but talking at least about Mass Effect Andromeda which at the time there was just massive appetite for and I knew I was just like I want to do this this is too like good a thing you know we can just build our own cover out of this because EA were like no there's no art for it there's no they, you know they had, you had, we kind of had their blessing like if you want to put it on the mag whatever but here's the art you've got and it, it wasn't cover art it was just like the screenshots they'd announced so this is a screenshot a high res screenshot at that but it just you can just tell it isn't cover art you can tell it's a, a screenshot character I think because it's just not posed in any kind of dynamic way there's no face there's no eyes looking out it's it's a terrible piece of art about a game which everyone wanted to read about and I actually had something on it so I just took that hit the issue did pretty well in the end actually because I think we I think that I think there may have been a, a bag which disguised it no that was something else no I tell a lie this was, was kind of how it kind of looked on the shelf i quite like the three exclusives hit i like the the logos on it because i felt like the logos the titanfall the halo wars and the horizon uh forza horizon logos kind of they were identifiable as their respective games you know they felt like quite kind of iconic logos in their own way like the halo font the horizon font so i was pleased to get that on there but i just this stinking character and i think it really broke our art editor's heart to have to try and get this screenshot. I think we we had like a... There was like a service internally. I can't remember what it was called. It may have even just been called Art Studio, which like magazines could basically tap into and you could like get a, a kind of... there was They had like sort of art wizards there and you could get them to like work on particular layouts or whatever, almost like internal freelancers. And I remember with us giving them this screenshot and we were like, we need this screenshot like cleaned up and buffered it up and and just made so we can put it on the cover and it looks less like a screenshot and i think they hid some of it but it's all i can see i I don't know i i really love this cover i think it's great and i can't think of a better game for the time than this because like you say i I don't think the access was flimsy at all like um like you say you had one of the only interviews for this game where i feel like for a long time bioware avoided talking about what this game was Mm. and i would say that the end result sort of suggests that there was a reason why that was the case and um yeah i am having done uh i I did a mass effect andromeda cover later on as well and um we got interviews then and they were very woolly and like i actually just found one of the quotes that they gave me at the time which was um we are approaching the completionist aspect very differently this time because we've done and learned a lot from inquisition but we've also observed what other games have been doing like the witcher and um, talked about meaningful quest design. And I don't think Andromeda had any of that. So, like, no. it was a complete fluff 
kind of marketing interview. Um, so I think he picked the right time, and I really like those top left hits. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be down on this. I would not have guessed no, it was I a just, screenshot, you know. Yeah, it just it just bugged me that like I mean to be fair, I think that I think after I left, they actually did another sort of swing at this with a piece of art which was even like worse for it. It was there was that picture of the the spacesuit sort of doing like an aerial punch or something right uh and i think they put that on a wallet once as well and it it, it just i don't know i just never felt easy putting like non-cover art on a cover because mm. i could just see the difference but you know we got, i think we got away with it yeah. and like i said i think it did all right this issue so that was nice <laughs> well good stuff matthew well those were the covers we wanted to go through that was uh my much touted from last week uh, games magazine covers from hell and i think it was more a kind of um i don't know reflective on some quite interesting little moments in uh, gaming history um do you agree <laughs> yeah no abs- abs- absolutely i like i said i i just it's definitely the bit of magcraft i'm least confident in there's some i'm really pleased with and some i'm really proud of and um but i yeah it, it always felt like the job. I, I just, I just wanted to get it out of the way. I hated having covers hanging over me. Like it used to put me in a really foul mood, and I'd feel like I almost felt a bigger sense of relief from sending a cover than I did from sending the mag on deadline. Because once I had the cover, I was just like, "Great, that's that done. That's the important bit. That's the bit. That's the only bit anyone sees before they buy it. Like that's the thing done. I don't have to worry about that for another month." Um, when I should probably have just been straight on the phone to all the PRs to try and set up next month's cover, which I never did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Nice and candid there to uh, yeah. <laughs> see out this section. I must say that I um, I did enjoy the process of doing it. And I actually really, um, when I was on PC Game, I really enjoyed working with um, Tony Ellis, who was our like uh, production editor. And basically like the reason that PC Gamer had so many great writers over the years, because he helped um, train them including some of the um, highest profile writers who went on to do some other cool stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I really loved kind of like, um, you know, uh, sort of bouncing ideas off of him and then coming up with uh, a great kind of cover line. So even in that arc cover, um, we still came up with um, a quite good line for it, which was, um, I think it was like, uh, PC's power fantasy goes full sci-fi. And I thought it was a really good hit for something mm. I didn't really care about. So, mm. yeah, um, I um, I did like the process of it. And I think that like... Um, I think I'm a bit too in my own head about uh, kind of like covers at certain points. So I think that I'm a bit like this with editorial generally where I overthink it and overthink it and overthink it. And then I spend too much time thinking about it. And then um, inevitably, I've just driven myself a bit mad with the end result. But yeah, I think it definitely yielded a lot of covers I was kind of proud of. So even when I was going through this, with the exception of the PlayStation All-Stars one, which is ropey, um, and I I didn't really... um, like playstation at the time so it kind of reflects that a little bit um i kind of enjoyed working on all of these so um yeah i and i appreciate you sharing your insights matthew oh well good for you well then <laughs> so um we'll take one more short break matthew but then we're going to talk a little bit about um a, a couple of our like highlights of uh, magazines we worked on in a kind of short yeah. final part sounds great Hello, Matthew. Welcome to the final part. How are you feeling? Oh, thanks for thanks for having me. Dawn of the final section. Um, <laughs> uh, Twenty minutes remain, probably. 
<laughs> there you go. Uh, I know Zelda. So, Matthew, for this final part, I just thought we'd um, turn things on their head a bit. We had a lot of, like, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say self-loathing, but, like, you know, kind of <laughs> careful critiquing of our past work. And I wanted to talk about some of the um, highlights of covers that we worked on, because we worked, we both worked on many great covers, I would say. And so, yeah, I, what, what were your kind of highlights of um, your time editing magazines? So there, there are really two, two jump out. Um, oh, one on official Nintendo uh, when we did um, Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright, the um, kind of Capcom level five mashup. That one was a this the art. It's the one time Professor Layton didn't look like ass because it was <laughs> Professor Layton and Phoenix Wright, and they were standing side by side. And they were both pointing out, and you were like, that is as dynamic as you could possibly get for a cover, is a man pointing at you. Mm. Um, and it was two men I th- I thought were brilliant, two of my favourite games. Um, it's, like, not a very uh, complicated cover at all, um, but I was just... I just really pleased that I got to do a Ace Attorney-related cover, you know, in terms of, like, a Nintendo mag that truly reflects my interests uh i that that whole issue was like a dream because it really had the features inside to back it up it was a real sort of celebration of of, of all of them as well it had a big shutakumi interview and some stuff on level five as well and um that's just a very happy memory of like it's it's such a it's such a me like magazine if that makes sense yeah. you know it's 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 so like my interests no one challenged it because it was a first-party Nintendo game. Nintendo were obviously keen, so like internally, no one could really put up too much of a fight. Um, yeah, just a, a very that 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 was just a, a happy time, a happy thing that I you know when I see that cover, I'm like, yeah, it was good. It's good that we got to do that. Mm. Oh, that's cool. I um yeah, I'm happy for you to get to you get to do uh, something like that. It's such a clear like uh, sort of like Venn diagram of your interests that um, yeah, so rare. It's basically, for it to come an together. eclipse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um yeah, so you've got another one listed here too, uh, Matthew. And um Yeah, I- so this is on yeah, this is um this is Beat the Beat Rhythm Paradise, which is one of the Rhythm Tengoku games, which you'll remember from our two thousand six episode mm. uh where that delightful jaunty tune played us out. Uh this was the Wii version of Rhythm Paradise, a game which like I am amazed anyone let us put this on the cover. I'm, I still can't really remember this, how we got our publisher to sign off on it. Um, but it, it wasn't just that. I, a game I loved, it was, it's like crazy Nintendo. It's 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 super like Japanese, bright anime colours, big cartoonish characters, really like um, no one iconic. It doesn't have a Mario or a Wario or anything, but it has always like, zany looking characters and the whole thing you can play it with just the a button uh on the wii remote um maybe the b button maybe the trigger was involved anyway but basically the the the, the kind of concept of the cover was we went big on this you can press this a so we actually we put the a button right in the middle and we had an extra layer on the outside cover with a hole cut through it where the a sat and then when you opened up that cover the inside of it was just like rhythm um well, it was it was rhythm paradise. It was all these characters, super neon, and the idea was like you press the A button to kind of unleash the fun, which was open the cover, and then so it was like a concept cover, a bit of a gimmick cover. Had this physical cutout where you had to, it was a nightmare cover to make for our <laughs> editor Milf, who is a genius. 
um and it broke it. it i haven't i have never seen a man more frustrated than him because you know you send off cover as these proofs uh, you send off these things the you know with various layers when you've got different printing processes and things there's quite a you know you have to be very precise you you send off your base cover and then you send out like layers of gloss that go over the top and it all has to align perfectly or it will look like ass but this was not only that it was a cutout it had to line up so that when you opened it all this stuff happened it it was so complex the instructions for the printers to make this and we just had no idea if it was going to come back broken like, we didn't know until we got the issues. And I can just remember when we got it, and it was just so perfect. It was just 100% what we wanted it to be. And it was a sense of relief. And also, like, that is, like, that's the best possible cover we could have done for that game. Captures mm. the spirit of it, the ethos of it. I mean, it's, you know, I was only editor on Nintendo Gamer for a, for a few issues, but that is, like, that's all I wanted to do. as like, as end gamer a move as we could possibly have done. And I'm so like proud of the execution of it. Um, when I left Nintendo Gamer, that was the cover they turned into my leaving cover. Um, and I'd just like to think I'd be associated with that one. Like that is genuinely like we made a nice thing. Mm. Um, yeah, which is kind of all you know. All you can really hope for <laughs> in in this biz is to maybe make one or two truly nice things. <laughs> and this was one. <laughs> it's uh, it's lovely. It's a really lovely cover. Um, and like you say, like really captures what I kind of perceive as the sort of end gamer spirit. Um, yeah, better than anything else could. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, and we uh, got like uh, we got uh, you know Mark Green, who'd obviously left End Gaming years ago, came back to do the review because I loved his writing about rhythm, uh, rhythm Tengoku, like in the first issue of End Gamer. So you know, to me, it was a really like just an important issue and a sort of celebration of of that history and you know all the people who'd kind of you know I'd worked with and. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit sentimental for it, but it's it's a yeah. That's a good cut. I think it sold like eight copies. <laughs> <laughs> and most importantly, Matthew, it's gone. Aliens, Colonial Marines, hit um, <laughs> right at the bottom. Uh, <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a true in-game cover if there wasn't like at least one piece of total shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Uh, so, Matthew, I've got a few. That yeah, I realised I didn't stick in uh, in our drive um, to um, you know kind of examine before this podcast, but I thought I'd just run through them anyway. I've dropped a couple into the um, into our Discord for you to look at for reference while we're discussing this. But mm. yeah, so on um, Games TM, I was really happy with all the covers I did. I was only editor of Games TM for about eight issues, but I think we did lo- lots of like really nice covers, including the obligatory PS4 One cover off the back of um, E3 2013. Um, yeah. So that was fun, but like. Um, the really nice looking ones I did, we did like an Arkham Origins cover on Games TM that had this was one where the artwork was amazing and it was like the Joker's oh, yeah. head turning into bats. And um like Arkham Origins is like everyone's least favourite Arkham game. Um because it's basically like a kind of it feels like a, a sort of like an an enhanced version of Arkham City in a lot of ways. But um yeah. It was, uh, this artwork was just so, so nice. Just like as good a piece of artwork off the Joker as you can get. A very iconic, you know, like a, a con- the most iconic villain there is on the cover look, of the It magazine. looks like it could be a comic cover. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't believe how good it was when I saw it. And I think the PR at the time was even like, you wait till you see this artwork, it will just blow you away. And um, yeah, <laughs> even though some of the lines on it are a bit dodgy, because I think I was trying to get next gen in every single hit at the time. Um, yeah, I reflect on that one fondly. 
another one is um, I did a Zelda cover on GamesTM. Um, it was just very simple. It was just for Wind Waker HD coming out, and I think the 3DS one was coming out at the time as well. The um, yeah, yeah. A Link Between Worlds, that was it. And so it was pretty simple, but it was like a kind of like series retrospective interview. And we actually got like an interview, an email interview with Aonuma, which was a really cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, exactly. So it's a cool get and we had a nice gold foil cover. So um, that one was cool. I reflect on that quite fondly too. And mm. uh, yeah, on PC Gamer, I had a bunch of them that I loved. Um, I saw a really funny one that I actually thought about talking about earlier, which was um, Mark Hamill in the Star Citizen single player mode that um, still hasn't come out five years <laughs> after we ran that cover. Is that uh, the one with Gary Oldman as well? Yeah, Gary Oldman. And, and like, I think Gillian Anderson as well. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I think about how like I almost met Mark Hamill um, because I was going to go do that. Um, there was like, we, we actually went on to the set where they were like doing the motion capture. And um, I think I went to a really fucking boring uh, meeting that day instead. And um, I remember just like, it was a very dis- disappointing meeting by comparison while um, Chris Thurston, my deputy editor, was meeting Mark Hamill, um, oh. like the year that the, uh, the Force Awakens came out. And I, I definitely made an error that day, but um, <laughs> yeah. I was very yes. happy for Chris to get his nice photo with um, Star Wars dad. But um, yeah, the, few, the ones I picked here from PC Gamer, there was um, a Total War Warhammer cover. We were like, I think the first in the world to see it. And then um, to, I think it was like announced like the day that our cover uh, was revealed to the world, and then the issue went on sale like a few days later, and it was just a really oh, nice. cool moment. Yeah, like felt like a real event, and um, it doesn't get more Heartland PC gamer than the intersection of Warhammer and um, Total War. That's like you know pure dad territory. It's um, yeah, yeah. we're in safe dad lands there, and um, yeah. And then the other one was um, did a Dragon Age Inquisition cover, um, which you can look at now, Matthew. And um, yeah. that was like, um, I remember that one being notable because we actually went to Bioware, which was very rare to um, to see the game. Mm. Um, I think Evan in the US went to see it at the time. And uh, the artwork was nice. And it also defied one of those bits of like received wisdom about covers. I've never, I don't know what the source is, but everyone kind of thinks green covers sell badly. That's like... Right, that, that, that's what I was talking about. Like one of these weird rules of covers that gets thrown around. Yeah. Um, also, like, um, if you're an Xbox magazine, you've got to put Master Chief on the cover, so it's going to be green no matter well, our what. Our logo's green. I mean, it's as green, it's as, green as that as, as you get. We did loads of green. We did lots of fluorescent, like a, fl- a slight fluoro ne- neon green. Um, we used that a lot, and I actually thought they used to really stand out, those covers. We did a nice one with Fallout, actually, which was that, that green with just a big... Um, uh, where his name is Volt, not Volt Boy. What's the boy called? Uh, I think it was Volt Boy, wasn't it? Is it Volt? Yeah, him. Yeah. And that that did that did well, and it was just him doing his big thumbs up. Ah, oh, that was cool. That's <sighs> um, yeah, that's uh, what everyone wanted to see in like 2015, and now everyone kind of yeah, hates Fallout. Yeah. But uh, hey, um, yeah. So um, the other only other one was like uh, which I'll put in the um, drive for people to look at was a really nice PC gamer XCOM two cover where it was a giant alien head made out of skulls. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and that looked amazing. I remember being like, wow, that is the nicest thing that's ever been on a shelf that has, like, you know, my name in it. And, um, yeah, that was um, <laughs> that was really cool. And XCOM 2 was, again, Heartland PC Gamer, you know? It doesn't get more uh, PC Gamer yeah, than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Matthew, that was the episode. Um, did you enjoy that trip down memory lane? I did, I did. I, ca- I came out, I think I ended up on, a, on such a happy note that I've, I've instantly forgotten all my terrible <laughs> covers and all the stress of making them. Um and I should I should also shout out I, what I failed to do through this was shouting out the the names of the absolutely amazing art editors I work with, um, 
uh, Will on O&M was, was brilliant. Dale Prattley on O&M as well. Milf on Nintendo Gamer and Mark Wynn on OXM who, and Rob uh, Crossland on OXM as well. Um, just great, like, you know, masters of their craft uh, who kind of took whatever shit I said and turned it into something usable, so... <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, for me, shout out as well to John Strike, who was still the art um, the art editor of PC Gamer, and um, was phenomenal to work with, and designed the logo for this podcast. That's uh, how much I value. Oh yes, he did. Yeah, what a talented man, John Strike is. Yeah, that's how much I value his input um, all these years later. And uh, yeah, shout out to um, all the great print magazines uh, still coming out every month, and you know. Um, putting like it's really great to like walk into smith's and uh still see like so many great games mags on the shelves like opm and retro gamer and um edge of course and so yeah i uh just wanted yeah, to give I them mean, a edge, shout out edge edge this month with their hollow knights silk song cover which you know has done that rarest of things which is like a magazine that kind of sets the internet aflame which is the kind of holy grail i think these days of you have something the internet doesn't have and everyone goes and subscribes and it sells out on online stores and things so mm. you know kudos to them yeah for sure it's just really cool when something like that becomes an event so uh yeah i get, I get nostalgic thinking about this stuff but would i do it again nah i'm too tired <laughs> What a great note to end on. <laughs> I'm just far too tired to do all that again. If, um, if uh, just that's that's kind of like my sort of takeout. I I like working online where I've got instant metrics and um, yeah. I can write about the Mandalorian and people will read it. That's uh, that's fine with me. Um, so, so so Matthew, um, where can we find you on Twitter right now? I am Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. I'm Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow the um, podcast on Twitter at Backpage Pod. Uh, we'll tweet on there whenever a new episode comes out. We'll also share assorted gubbins, as we might say in the old magazine parlance. And um, <laughs> also, at the same time, you can email us. We've had a couple of emails through, really nice ones from people who like the podcast, so uh, we appreciate that. That's backpagegames yeah, at gmail.com. You can just let us know what you think of the podcast. Also, if you have any questions, we'll read them out and uh, try to answer them as best we can. So, uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye for now. Bye.